stay tuned for the Mind Body Health Program coming right up. Welcome to the Mind Body Health Program, everyone. Today we have a fine guest, but I want you to know that Dr. Marvin Trotter isn't quite going to be in today. He's got to run all over the place taking care of very important medical things. So it's going to be me hosting with our guest, uh, Millie Navani, a doctor. And we are getting our. Do I have you there yet? Yes. Hello, hey, everybody. welcome, Millie. Thank you for joining me here. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and we are live on the radio together, and you are one of our latest doctors with the residency program. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. I just started a few months ago um, in July, June, July. So it's been like three or four months now. Three or four months. That's pretty cool. Are you enjoying it? Yes, it's definitely busy, um, but it's kind of nice after learning a lot of medicine to kind of get into the trenches and just be involved in it a lot more than I was in medical school. Cool. And medical school was where for you again? Uh, I went to Turo in Vallejo, just a little bit down south from here. Cool. And for those of us out there that, um, just to double back a little bit, we've interviewed a lot of, of guests that are part of this residency program. And so a lot of our regular listeners will be familiar, but I wonder if you could start out by just telling everyone out there what the residency part of your education is and how that works and what's yeah, brought sure. you here. Thanks. So medical training is uh, pretty long. Uh, you start off doing uh, undergraduate um, education and then you apply to medical school. Medical school is a four-year program after which you get a license to be a doctor. Um, this usually comes in the form, two forms, either you can get a DO degree, uh, which comes from going to an osteopathic medical school, or you can get an MD degree, which is more commonly known, by going to an allopathic medical school. I went to Turo Medical School, which is uh, an osteopathic medical school, so I have a DO degree. But regardless of which program you go to, uh, after medical school, you are required to participate in a residency program, which involves you practicing medicine in a particular field or specialty. Um, that's an additional postgraduate training that you need to do before you're allowed to practice uh, in a particular field. So that's what I'm doing right now. Cool. And you're three or four months into it. Yes, that's right. Three or four months into it, and it's a three-year family medicine program here at Ukiah. Neat. And, and why did you, did you have a choice? Why did you choose Ukiah? Yeah, um, I applied to several programs. The way, the way that the 
match works for residency is you send in your applications to programs you're interested in and programs that are interested in you will interview you and then you send in your uh, rank list of your preferred programs and med uh, residency programs will send in their own rank list and there's a matching system that'll match you up uh with the highest priority or like the highest match rate where um, it considers both your priority and um, your rank list and the program's rank list as well. So that's how you get matched in two different residency programs across the country. Oh, wow. Neat. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure beyond me, a lot of us are probably really glad to have you here and looking forward to um, seeing you as a doctor and a friend around here. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. It's actually um, interview season right now, and so I've been telling um, some of the people that are interviewing here uh, how special it is that the community kind of started this residency program, and I just think that that's such a special part of this residency program. Yeah, I know out here uh, locally it's huge just having the number of family practice doctors come here to Mendocino County and it being such a rural place has yeah. really pushed it over a tipping point to getting some great care available to the residents of Mendocino County. Absolutely. Marvin, Dr. Marvin Trotter, who you know, uh, mm -hmm. You know, he's been a big part of that and very inspired by all that. And he, anyway, it's a shame he can't be here today, but um, such as it is. My name's Cobb, by the way. For anyone uh, not familiar, I typically do the engineering, but I also kind of co-host with Marvin at times. And I play the uneducated public about all this. So it's kind of fun that way, Millie. Um, I'm wondering if you could... Just give us a little more background about yourself in terms of, you know, where you came from and what's in, what inspired you to go into medicine in the first place and get you to where you're at now. Because it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is. Um, I was always interested in science growing up. Um, but so that kind of like channeled me into the arena of science and medicine um, but I was particularly inspired or I always like studied nutrition in particular and was interested in like health and being healthy not just the biology portion that is science mm -hmm. so that's just that was me growing up and then that's why i decided to pursue a degree in biology uh at ucsd where i did my undergraduate studies and then i had like two kind of pathways that were laid out for me either i could go the more sciencey route and uh pursue a phd or doctorate and continue research which i very much enjoy Mm -hmm. or or I could go the medicine route. Um, and so I did a lot of research in labs. I also volunteered in the hospital so I could figure out which kind of pathway I would be more inclined towards. And I, in, as much as I enjoy research, I find the service aspect of medicine to be more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. um, and it's... It, it seems it actually for me it's actually harder 
But because of that more fulfilling aspect and because I feel like I am practicing service in my everyday life, I wanted to go ahead and choose that route for myself because I just that I just felt better doing that. <laughs> so that's how I, yeah, so I ended up uh, going applying to medical school. Then I went to Truro. Um, and then after that, uh, you can also choose which type of uh, specialties you want to go uh, train and do for residency after medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really interested in lifestyle medicine. I liked uh, the idea that in family medicine, you can work both in the hospital as well as outside in the clinic. And I hadn't picked one that I enjoyed more yet. So um, family medicine also allows you to work with people of all ages, doesn't really limit you. You can be trained for basically anything and also focus in on the things you start to like a little more. So that's why I really enjoyed family medicine and chose to do that specialty. That's pretty fun. Cool. Thanks for the story. Of um, there's so much there to wonder about, but uh, I do know that something uh, in our communication before this interview you brought up uh was sleep hygiene as a topic of interest to you i wonder um if if that's something where you want to start or if there's other topics of interest uh we're basically here to to introduce you to everyone uh listening on kzyx around the county who might um be looking for a doctor or and, and you know just generally getting to meet you i know is marvin's motivation but so any of these points of interest you have are really fun for us to hear about yeah so um i yeah i was told to kind of like talk about something and i just kind of uh picked up sleep hygiene as a particular topic just because sleep difficulties are just so more much more common nowadays and it's it's a little frustrating to not be able to either sleep or fall asleep both of which we relate to what people commonly call insomnia nowadays (laughs) so yeah so i just thought i'd talk a little bit about that sleep is so important in terms of our rest and rejuvenation of our bodies and so when we can't sleep or stay asleep it can be really frustrating and an impediment in our daily lives it can cause fatigue and sleepiness the times that we're awake after not sleeping can reduce our concentration which in turn reduces our efficiency at work reduces our ability to problem solve and can cause accidents and errors during the day Um, because our mind is like not fully rested it can cause irritability which can negatively affect our personal relationships mm-hmm. also just because you're tired you have less energy and motivation for you know dealing with everything else so yeah. it's yeah no that i mean i'm sure everyone out there listening can relate to all of that yeah i certainly can <laughs> sleep's a big deal and it's like we live in a culture that somehow is is pushing us to sleep less is what it feels like some and just generally be less healthy in that regard Um, absolutely i wonder if you can even back up from there such Mm -hmm. as your education is 
you know, what is sleep and how does it work with our bodies? And, you know, what's it doing for us in a little more detail than maybe the average person knows about? I mean, we all know we need to sleep to get rest, but, like, what's going on there? Yeah, well, it's kind of like, I'm no fitness guru, but if you look at any fitness uh, professional's uh, regimen, you'll always notice that they have a rest day. And it's really important for the, just, and they do it because they need their time for their muscles to recover and to be able to build efficiently when they are working out. So sleep is just really important. It um, sells uh Get, do a lot of like self-cleaning during that time the brain solidifies its memories which is really important for learning um and you just have a lot of rest and rejuvenation during that period of time which is really important for the body to function optimally when it's awake the brain also resets itself electrically so just a lot of different things going on. I mean, you feel like you're sleeping. The body's still working. <laughs> right. Wow. And, and you know, is there a pretty good target for sleep for various age groups or gender, sex, body types, that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, the general recommendation is usually six to eight hours. But this kind of varies by uh, on an individual basis. Some people just require less sleep. And one of the ways you can kind of figure this out is just how uh, kind of feeling how sleepy you are the following day. You'll know if you don't get enough sleep, you know, mm. and some, some people just function better with, you know, five hours of sleep. So it just kind of depends. Well, and, and what's, the most normal i mean is there such a thing as the most normal sleep cycle for people are like what are like the normal parameters as as a doctor when you're say mm-hmm. interviewing a, a patient about their lifestyle what right. kind of information are you looking for in terms of of sleep and and sleep hygiene Usually, we uh, ask patient uh, patients how their sleep quality is, and if they have trouble falling asleep, or if they wake up in the middle of the night and then they can't fall asleep again. Uh, sometimes there's other reasons for insomnia, like uh, related to other medical conditions, such as if you have to pee a lot and you're getting up to go pee. Mm-hmm. That's a different issue than just waking up and then not being able to fall asleep but it does interact with a lot of medical conditions which is why it's really important to talk about it and just address it and see if you can work on it interesting um and so i know you mentioned insomnia that's you know the inability to sleep correct yeah, it can be inability to fall asleep, but also you can fall asleep, but um, if you wake up in a little bit and then can't resume the sleep, that is also considered, the inability to stay asleep is also considered insomnia. Oh, wow. And so is insomnia kind of its own illness, or is it often symptomatic of something else? Uh, you're also highlighting how it can be linked 
to other illnesses, that kind of thing? Yeah, it can be both. You know, it can present uh, with a variety of causes. So, like, in the, it can kind of be categorized uh, as short term insomnia or long term insomnia, and the cutoff is around three months. So, if it's before that, it would be considered short term. And usually, the causes for short term insomnia are related to a particular stressor. So, uh, changes in the sleeping environment cause you to sleep not so well because you're not having adjusted or don't like that. It could also be part of someone's grief response after losing a loved one or having a major life situation um, it could also be due to a recent short-term illness surgery or it could be from withdrawal of uh, things like caffeine medications or drugs and alcohol wow yeah. There's a lot there, so I just want to take a moment for anyone that just tuned in. You're listening to KZYX Radio. This is the Mind Body Health Program. My name's Cobb. I'm engineering in the studio and filling in for our regular host, uh, Dr. Marvin Trotter. And our guest today is Millie Navani. And do I understand your title's D.O.? Yeah, the DO is my doctorate degree, and I am a first-year resident at the Adventist Health Residency Program. Yeah, so cool. Um, So before we get back into what we've been kind of focusing on, which is sleep hygiene, um, and we were just talking about insomnia, uh, is there any contact information you can give to people out there listening for... um, getting a hold of you or the other resident doctors for primary care appointments and that things how do they find you oh yeah um let's see uh so you can call the family medicine residency clinic and you know i actually um so the address is 260 hospital drive suite 103 and the phone number is 707-463-7495 and you should be able to ask for any of the uh, resident providers there at the residency clinic we all work over there and I've only been here for like three to four months, but I mm-hmm. can definitely say that all the other residents are extremely qualified and very good providers. Yeah. I learn a lot from them. I can, um, you know, just with my limited exposure here, interviewing some of them, they're all really fun folks, including you, um, <laughs> to, to get to know a little bit over the radio waves. So I imagine uh, your care just reflects that. Um, I do have a question about the residency part of this. So my understanding is, do you do rotations? Like you'll be going to other locations here in Mendocino County at some point beyond just practicing out of Ukiah? That's right. We do have rotations. Every month we focus in on a different part of family medicine and uh, some of those rotations involve us traveling to different parts of the county, um, exploring rural medicine and all of its various ways. Um, so, yeah, we do travel 
But throughout our rotations, we also have a continuous residency clinic, which means no matter what rotation we're on, we still see patients in this residency clinic so we can provide continuous care for uh, the patients that we have. Mm-hmm. And in your first couple months, have you already been seeing patients? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't see as many as uh, the older residents because we're slowly gaining uh, more experience and having more um, attendings watch over us as we first start out. But right. yeah, we've definitely seen a lot of patients, uh, in my, to my knowledge, uh, so far. Yeah, I would imagine there's a lot of orientation work for you to just get settled here. Yeah, there was. We had almost a month full of orientation. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that makes sense to me. Do you have any um, itinerary or plans to be at other clinics in the other parts of the county yet, or is that coming later for you? It is. It's coming later. Um, so I haven't made any particular plans yet, but we have been... Uh, started to give in some, uh, be given some education regarding our options and like all the different places we can go to. Our older residents are also a great resource because many of them have already gone to these rotations in different parts, Guala and Boonville, and I know there's a few others as well. Got it. Um, okay, well, let's go back into uh, sleep hygiene for a bit and then. In a little while, I'm going to open up the phone lines for listener questions for us. And I just want to prime that by letting everyone out there who's listening know that the number to call in here today is 707-895-2448. We'll get you live into the studio. That's 707-895-2448. And in a... A little while, we'll uh, move on and start taking phone calls for our guest today. Um, But we were right in the midst of talking sleep hygiene and insomnia. Uh, Pretty broad topic, pretty fun topic for you to bring up, in my opinion. Not something I'm, I mean, I'd say I'm familiar with what insomnia is and what sleep is and certainly have had experiences where i haven't gotten enough sleep or what have you um but you know as a doctor i guess what i'm wondering is what's like the most important concern you have with sleep as you're evaluating someone's health care when you're first taking on a patient I see. And if you you notice, say, something like insomnia is taking place. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Sometimes patients will bring up sleep as their first complaint. um, But in other cases, people have uh, complaints related to the symptoms of insomnia, such as fatigue or loss of interest or loss of energy, and then you kind of have to think about what are the potential causes of that, and that's where you can ask about sleep, because you know that that may be playing a part of it. So that's sometimes how we get to identifying insomnia as a potential issue, either because if that's a primary symptom of the patient or uh, because of the other things that insomnia can cause. Hmm. And, and with your... Uh, experience so far what sort of 
experiences for patients have you noticed are you know most often the causes of that is or is there a most often or easy way to rank that in any way yeah and honestly there's there there's so many different ways it can present itself um but because of i feel like increased uh, mental health issues and awareness about mental health issues we've also identified sleep as a almost a comorbid condition um that plays a role in that so if you imagine being anxious or worried and then because of that you can't fall asleep and then you wake up even more tired less able to cope with the stressors of the day and then you become even more worried about that or you worry about your lack of sleep and that compounds onto your uh, primary anxiety and it just becomes a vicious cycle but being able to kind of identify how um, it plays out and uh, able to incorporate some parts of what we call sleep hygiene which is um, some techniques that we can use to um have better sleep, uh, we can try to resolve some of those issues. Cool. Well, maybe we can go into sleep hygiene now a little bit. Yeah. You're saying, yeah, tell us about sleep hygiene. What's uh, good sleep hygiene and how do we do it? Yeah. Um, so sleep hygiene, I mean, I think it's a funny term. It's It, it actually does not involve uh, washing your beds, as the word hygiene may suggest. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just basically uh, one of the first things we try. They're basically lifestyle modifications that can help us uh, sleep better. So one of the first things uh, in sleep hygiene is we look at timing. So instead of sleeping at irregular periods, it's helpful to go to bed at the same time every day. So that's one thing. And, you know, sometimes if you don't feel tired, you just keep postponing your sleep, but that causes you to have irregular sleep patterns, and so that's not helpful either. So that's one thing. So just a good rhythm and making sure a person's going to bed at a consistent time that works Yeah, that for can them. help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, controlling the stimulants and substance use is another big one. Um, so we all run on coffee and tea, and that's very prevalent, <laughs> very common. But it's really important that if you do have sleep issues and you do intake a lot of caffeine, to limit the caffeine to at least in the morning only, to absolutely prevent it after 3 p.m. because you want to make sure that that caffeine is not disturbing your ability to fall asleep or stay asleep. Got it. And and what is, I mean, is there like a, a recommended amount of caffeine to just not overdo it? All? You know, like one cup of coffee or tea or I've heard yeah. caffeine's in chocolate, uh, soda, all those kinds of sources. Can you, you know, I'm, I'm sure there is a a certain value that I can't think of at the top of my head right now. Sure. But also it's important to realize that uh, people have different tolerances for caffeine. So for example, someone can have one cup of coffee and get super jittery and anxious. And mm-hmm. another person, like if I have caf- if I have one cup of coffee 
it'll make uh, like I like the taste of it, but it doesn't really affect me in terms of my sleep and wake uh, mm. cycle. So mm-hmm. I don't feel more awake if I have the coffee. So it just affects different people differently. So you kind of have to see where you're at. And if you know that it's affecting you, you have to just start decreasing it until you find your own baseline. Got it. And what is caffeine doing for us? I mean, a person wakes up from sleep, mm-hmm. but then we talk about like waking up. Like I know that feeling personally of of you know I'm not asleep anymore. I'm here in mm-hmm. the waking world, whatever. But then there's that experience of, say, drinking a cup of coffee or something, and now I feel very attentive. And what's going on there? Do you know? Yeah, so we have these rhythms in our body. They're called circadian rhythms. And it's like our body's own clock inside of our body. So we all have a, and it's approximately 24 hours. So it plays along with the normal 24-hour day cycle that we have. And so there's these different time signals in our body. One of them, which we are very familiar with, is melatonin. Um, That's a sleep signal. So it kind of collects throughout the day. And then when you have a lot of it, you feel sleepy and go tired. You want to go to sleep. And by that time, it's usually nighttime. Caffeine, um, usually caffeine, which is present in tea and coffee, kind of hushes that melatonin signal that's your sleep signal and then you feel more awake and it can be very instantaneous it can also mm. make you go to the bathroom because it affects your gut so oh, it wow. works in various different ways mm-hmm. and so it's basically affecting our overall body rhythm yes absolutely and that's that's the way it helps you stay awake and feel more awake almost instantaneously and is that healthy i mean is is there a way i don't even know if that's like the right question to yeah ask. i i mean it can as long as uh, in small quantities in moderation it's fine but in terms of if you're not being able to fall asleep Mm-hmm. then that lack of ability to fall asleep or stay asleep, that can cause some unhealthy changes. And that's when you would kind of get the signal like, okay, I need to make some changes here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, is there anything known about caffeine regarding like age groups, children versus adults versus elderly, anything like that that you're aware of? Uh, I am not aware of anything about that. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then, um, but besides caffeine, um, I have actually had some experiences with people taking alcohol um, Mm. because they can't fall asleep. And alcohol Uh. actually does sometimes help you fall asleep, but it doesn't give you good quality of sleep. So it causes you to have very short-term sleep. So the people who use alcohol to go to sleep often find themselves waking up after very short periods and then they can't go back to sleep again so that's another common one that's really interesting you mentioned that the quality of sleep so there's sleep quality and sleep quantity can you maybe talk a bit about both of those in terms of what good hygiene is like and and how someone can pay attention to that for themselves yeah so sleep um so The ability to fall asleep is one thing, and then sleep quality relates to how well you 
feel rested after after sleep and mm-hmm. also biologically has to do with the mechanics of the sleep cycle which is a another huge topic on its right, own right um and then there's also the ability to stay asleep in terms of quantity so you also want to have a sufficient amount of time to stay asleep and that sufficient amount of time will allow you to feel rested and have that good quality of sleep so in this case having alcohol reduces your time of staying asleep and that will also inhibit your quality of sleep as well well and i've i've heard rumors and i don't know if any of this is true about you know there's various medicines people will take to help them to fall asleep or stay asleep mm-hmm. um and then I've heard sometimes those medicines aren't necessarily good because of the quality of sleep, even though a person gets maybe a consistent six to eight hours mm-hmm. unbroken sleep, they're maybe not getting as good a rest, be- even though they're, that medication's helping them stay asleep. Sure. Do you know about this at all? Um, it's it's quite possible, uh, but it would be like very dependent on what type of medication it is and the person's own reaction to that medication. Right. Um, medications in general are great to use as an additional sort of treatment plan for a patient, but it doesn't. It's not a good replacement for these lifestyle modifications, which may be more related to the cause of their insomnia in many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about, uh, sleep interrupters say, well, what's your opinion? How do you feel about alarm clocks and sudden waking and that kind of thing? Yeah. In the ideal situation, uh, you should sleep as long as you need to feel rested. And then when you feel rested, you'll naturally, you know, wake up and go about your day. But unfortunately, we live lives and where we have to be in particular places at particular periods of time. Um, but I think there's ways to go about that, right? So if you wake, if you have the alarm clock, you wake up and you don't feel rested, then you should kind of try to figure out that maybe I need to sleep a little longer and if I can't sleep later maybe I should go to sleep earlier mm-hmm. and try to work it out that way um, but yeah alarm clocks they're just kind of a necessary evil I feel like in today's times sure um, well I'm going to open up the phone lines uh, if that's okay with you yeah sounds Millie. good so we're speaking with Millie Navani I pronounced that correct right yes yep. that's right D.O., new resident with the residency program for primary care here in Mendocino County with uh, Adventist Health in Ukiah Valley. We've been talking about sleep hygiene, uh, touched on insomnia a little bit, and we're getting more into sleep hygiene. So if you're out there listening and you have questions for her, uh, call 707-895-2448. That's seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Um. So, what about uh, yeah, just a regular sleep hygiene regimen? If if you could just go over that quickly, and I'm wondering too, like, what's the bare minimum amount of sleep that a person can get to get some quality of sleep? Uh, 
No, I don't have a good answer for that. I think it's so individually based, but uh, that's for the minimum time. As far as the right. as far as the sleep hygiene, some of the just to summarize, some of the things mm-hmm. we look at is timing. So making sure you're going to bed early enough to get a proper amount of sleep. The reducing uh, stimulants such as coffee. Um, uh, smoking is another big one and also reducing substance use like mm-hmm. alcohol other uh, recreational drugs and then we talked a little bit about the circadian rhythms which is the 24-hour kind of rhythm in your body that regulates sleep that's also very um it's very reactive to light and dark mm-hmm. so you know when mm-hmm. it's light outside you're more active and when it's dark you naturally go follow a little more sleep so in terms of that, it's a good idea to start dimming your lights one hour before you go to bed. And that kind of naturally triggers that sleep sensation, uh, you to feel a little more sleepy. Mm-hmm. So you can dim the lights one hour before going to sleep. And then when you are going to sleep, make sure all your lights are off. Um, and dimming the lights also means reducing technology, uh, use of technology, before going to bed because the lights from phones, computer screens, TVs, reading devices, they all have a strong light that actually uh, activates our light signals. Hmm. So that can make it harder to go to sleep as well. And then a really big one is stress. So uh, figuring out ways um, to manage your stress, solving big problems, or at least working on them before getting into bed is a really great idea. Therapy is also a great idea if you need it to help with coping strategies, because that can also be a huge reason for insomnia in general. Did you say working on a really big problem before you go to sleep is a, a good idea? I mean, yeah, or- so what I mean by that is if you have a big problem, kind of figuring out your plan and how you're going to solve it before getting into bed because you don't want to think about it in bed and then stress out about it while you're trying to go to sleep. Oh, got it. So if you know that this is something that's on your mind and weighing on you, it's you're saying put some effort into that so that you're satisfied with it and can let go of it and focus on or not focus on it so that you can fall asleep. Absolutely. Got it. Yes. And are there any particular, um, say, illnesses or chronic conditions where sleep hygiene becomes a pretty major concern of yours where you're immediately looking into that one? Yeah, I mean, there's there's literal sleep disorders, such as uh, a very common one is like sleep apnea, in which you almost stop breathing or have difficulty breathing in the middle of the night. So that's like a direct sleep illness that can affect your sleep. And then there's also other medical illnesses that are not directly related to sleep, but can impact your sleep or sleep quality because uh, either you have a lot of pain or the illnesses cause a lot of stress, or there's some uh, limitation of movement or neuro disorder that may affect your sleep. So, yeah, it's either direct or indirect. Mm-hmm. Can you talk more in depth about sleep apnea? Sure. So, um, there's no one cause for sleep apnea, but 
Um, the basic gist of it is that you lose that you just stop breathing for a few minutes, and so then often wait a few minutes. Oh, sorry, <laughs> no, yeah, a few seconds, oh, and wow. then okay. people will often. Uh, you're sorry, good catch, <laughs> and then people will wake up gasping for breath, and they'll be like, they'll almost have like a startling. Uh, effect when they wake up like oh what happened um so that's that's usually how it presents and sometimes patients are less aware of this than their partners are so it's something uh something that your sleeping partner may actually be be uh having more information about than the patient themselves so that's an interesting thing too mm-hmm. and and snoring what about I mean, sleep apnea and snoring, they're different, correct? They're different, but they're often related. So so if someone you know is, uh, if like a partner uh, of a patient says that the patient snores, snores loudly, then you have this, you can have it in your mind, make sure they're not having breathing issues during their sleep, which might include sleep apnea. Got it, and and then that can like. What's my question here about sleep apnea? How do people resolve that for themselves or know that that's affecting them, other than having a partner that's paying attention to them? Well, they'll they'll usually wake up in the middle of the night because they from the lack of breathing. So they'll wake up, they'll know. Um, and then the the way out of that is usually kind of, if there's no obvious cause, um, usually you do see a doctor for it and you can undergo a sleep study in many cases. And you'll usually get a CPAP machine, which provides, it's like you put a mask on while you're sleeping and it provides you oxygen uh, oxygenation while you're sleeping. So you won't have periods where you lose oxygen. Got it. And can sleep apnea be an illness itself? Like where? Oh, wow. So a person otherwise healthy might be total, if they don't have a partner nearby, might be unaware that they're being affected by sleep apnea and it's negatively affecting their waking health. And their sleep. They will probably know, most likely. It's just that the partner will have more information that they're unaware of so like people who are snoring for example they can't really tell how loud they are snoring but the partner will know (laughs) right of course so yeah the partner will provide some additional information but the you can usually figure out if the patient has sleep apnea by themselves as well okay and we have a caller patiently waiting welcome to mind body health thanks for calling go ahead with your question are you there caller I guess we lost him. Okay, so the number to call, and we just have a few minutes left, is 707-895-2448. That's 707-895-2448 to get in live to the Mind Body Health program today. Um, Oh, we got a call coming in. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Hello, thank you for taking my call, and thanks for such a great show. Um, uh, sorry to change the subject. It, this might be going back a few minutes, but it was actually a substance use question and its effect on dreaming, uh, because I know how important dreaming is in the uh, sleep cycle. 
I know of many long-term frequent cannabis users who say that they do not dream, and then upon ceasing cannabis use have found that they go through a period of intense, very uncomfortable dreaming before settling into a normal pattern. And so it kind of raises the question for me about the effect of frequent cannabis use on a healthy sleep cycle. Um, And I'll take my uh, answer off the air. Thank you so much for the show. Okay, thanks. That's an excellent question. I actually don't have the answer to that right now. Um, But Mm -hmm. uh, in regards to the change um, after they stop using, uh, there's often, it could just be part of the withdrawal. So that usually takes some time to resolve. And that may be part of the withdrawal response. However, the uh, I don't have the details right now about specific uh, chronic marijuana use on sleep at the moment. Well, just along the lines of that subject, um, do you have any information or are you familiar with anything in terms of dreaming and how that's a, what how that plays into our sleep hygiene? Um... Well, dreaming, so a lot of people supposedly dream, but there's many cases in which you're also not aware of or you don't remember your dreams. Usually the dreams that you remember the most are the ones that occur right before you wake. So those are the ones you usually remember. Um, So as a measure of as a measure by itself, like uh, estimating quality based on dreams, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure how good of a measure that is by itself. In terms of insomnia, is is dreaming or say bad dreams, quote you know nightmares or whatever, is that something linked to insomnia or symptomatic, or have you ever noticed any patterns like that? Or you know, I had. I haven't personally come across nightmares as an issue that's correlated with insomnia in particular, but it's possible. Uh, nightmares and night terrors, which are more common in children, um, they are their own medical issue. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, I, to my knowledge, not very associated with insomnia mm-hmm. but definitely uh an issue of their uh they are at least an issue on their own okay uh and we have another call coming up and what i i just want to flag and hopefully we have time to come back to is is um well never mind let's just take the call welcome to mind body health you're live on the radio go ahead thank with your you question. for taking thank yeah. you for taking my call my question is there a limit screen time as far as screen time goes so people who work or have to be around the screen is there a, a limit to the best amount of screen time per day that doesn't trigger the brain to not get into REM sleep in the nighttime and I'll take my answer thank you That's an awesome question. Um, yeah, technology is such a prevalent part of people's life now, especially their work. If you work in an office job or uh, even other types of jobs. Um, so you kind of have to use use the technology if it's part of your job, right? One of the best 
the best ways we start talking about screen time is not how many hours you're using it, uh, particularly during the day, but how you're using it in the night and before you're heading off to bed. So uh, we do like to dim the lights at least one hour before going to bed. And we also recommend that during that at least one hour before going to bed, you not use any technology. And even when you're asleep, so like, for example, a lot of people like to use their phone in, in bed. That's something we don't usually recommend. Uh, people also like to fall asleep by watching this in front of their TVs. That's also something we don't recommend. I would start off with always recommending um, limiting technology use one hour before going to bed. And if that's that, you know, but again, this also always plays into an individual case-by-case basis. So you start off there and then you can increase that time if you need it to be. Cool. Well, just based on the last few calls, I have three questions for you if we have time to get into them all because we're coming right up on the end of our hour. It goes quick, huh, Millie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and this topic of sleep hygiene's been fun, very interesting. Awesome. Um I wonder if if I guess to me the most important is if you can follow through with just for our listeners out there, you know, without having to go see a doctor or take a lot of um time to find out in detail what is good sleep hygiene and and you mentioned darkening the room, darkening the space an hour before sleep, uh, reducing screen time, thinking through big problems so that's not a stressor. What other factors did you want to bring up as as just general good sleep hygiene? I think that would be, um, that's most of it, right? So we also talked about going to bed at the same time every day. We also talked a lot about um, limiting stimulants like caffeine in terms of coffee, Mm -hmm. tea, um, and also trying to avoid substance use, in particular uh, alcohol, smoking, uh, which is a big one. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you mentioned the darkening of the room, limiting screen time. Um, another, Another one that we didn't talk about is to incorporate some physical activity in our daily routines. However, the important thing is to not do the physical activity right before bed. Oh. So, yes, because immediately after physical activity, you do feel a little more energetic and you get all that metabolism going. So you do want to exercise during the day or in the morning so the body will feel some fatigue later and that can help you go to sleep. But you don't want to do it right before going before right before going to bed. Got it. And what about diet as far as eating? Like, is eating before bed good? Is it good to have some calories to sleep on? Uh, What's that for sleep hygiene? Yeah, so eating uh, does play a role in, uh, not in terms of falling asleep, but it can play a role with other issues involved in sleep. So for people who have heartburn, if they um, if they eat right before going to bed, you know, you eat a lot of food and then you lie down, that food has heartburn involves the digestive juices kind of going up from your stomach into your esophagus. So if you eat a lot of food close to bedtime and then you lay down immediately to go to bed, that doesn't help the situation at all. So we, in those cases, we suggest eating at least three hours before going to bed. 
Got it. And and That's the way we, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up for people eating, and I know it, for me it's pretty common to feel somewhat sleepy or tired sometimes after eating a, a pretty healthy meal. Is that normal? <laughs> or a pretty or is it... unhealthy meal. <laughs> oh, right. Or an unhealthy meal. Sure. A healthy portion. Uh is that directly affecting our quality of sleep? Like, should we make a point to not go to sleep? I mean, obviously with heartburn, we wouldn't want to, but is there any other detailed points there that come to mind? Well, that feeling of sleep is probably because either you just ate a lot, and so, you know, your body's spending a lot of its energy into the digestion, so you will feel sleepy, and it also happens when you have a lot of carbohydrates specific intake so you eat a lot of breads eat a lot of sweets sugary foods um so that's that more like thing. digestive fatigue than sleepiness maybe sure yeah sure but that will and that will cause you to feel a little sleepy let's see we do have one uh late caller let's see if we can get their question welcome to mind body health go ahead with your question Thanks. Um, I just wanted to follow up uh, on sound since we talked about heating and lighting and everything else. Um, as far as noise goes, is it comfortable to sleep with earplugs in? Is that comfortable to, to do? Does that help? And do people closer to urban areas where there's a lot of noise, um, do they find that they are, have trouble getting into REM sleep? Thank you. Yeah, and we have just about 30 seconds for your answer there, Millie. Yeah, sure. Um, I think you would know on an individual basis if it's causing you a problem. Um, but most likely it is we do like sleep environments to be quiet and dark. So, yes. And if earbuds, if you can tolerate earbuds and they help it, make, uh, help it be more quiet, then that would be a good recommendation for you. Cool. Well. Thanks for being on the Mind Body Health program today, Millie. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun, and uh, we got just less than a minute coming up on the end, and uh, we've been speaking with Dr. Doc, Dr. Millie Navani, and you're a DO, and you're a new uh, residency care doctor here at uh, Adventist Health in Ukiah Valley, and we're so glad to have you, and thanks for coming on the Mind Body Health program. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Really, This was really fun. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.